like in the exorcist, like they actually threw a priest down those fucking stairs. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, all right, well we need at least one. Hopefully look, we can look, get another father, one. <laughs> uh, God's on your side. Good luck. bro. <laughs> <laughs> you need him into the sun. What's up and welcome into this week's episode of the Geek Garage Podcast. This is episode number 73. Uh, crazy to think that we're that high already, David. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we thought? we are a higher than giraffe pussy. <laughs> nope. Not well. It, well. Higher than a hippie in a helicopter? 30% of us at least are. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yes. This is episode but, number 73, like I said, and 30% because we are joined by a guest this week who must hate herself. Uh, keep coming back on this disaster of a show. Uh, but Miss Shauna Hoyt, who has been on the episode a couple of times before, say hello, Shauna. Oh, hello. How are you? Nope, just hello. That's all you were talking about. <laughs> anyway, uh, she has been on a few times, so we've decided to upgrade her status from guest, so ignore that I just said that, uh, to nerd on retainer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's either nerd or geek on retainer. I mean, I guess geek would be more on, on theme, yes. but on brand, yeah, I. As it were. Sure, yeah. I, but. I figured, I just felt like guests. It's kind of I dismissive. Mean, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. this is your, what, your fourth time on here? Yeah. Uh, Shauna? Yeah. So, like, I, I feel like something a little bit more permanent than guest, but less permanent than, like, co-host. Mm. Right. Uh, so, but regardless, uh, thank you so much for, for coming back on and agreeing to put up with our bullshit uh, once yeah. more. Definitely. Uh, that is a, a, uh, a huge ask of anyone and you've done it now four times. So, um, for those of you that are uninitiated, she joined us previously, uh, last June when we did our psycho celebrates 60 episode, uh, as well as the Friday the 13th watch along we did back in February, I think that was, or December. It's none of this matters. It all runs together. Uh, and then an earlier episode that was just about horror movies in general. So, Thank you again, Shauna, for joining us. Uh, we are continuing that theme that she has been uh, a now a nerd on retainer uh, on each episode for uh, of horror, and of course, it's the spooky month. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. So today we're going to be covering the uh, inimitable 1974 film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm, Mr. Ten Dollar Word. Yes, and then you would put in the chainsaw sound effects here, I suppose. But ring, 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 <laughs> ring, ring, ring. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, but yeah, so a lot to talk about with that. Very excited. David, are you excited? Uh, no one I am cares. S- Shauna, are you excited? I'm really excited. Fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to that, uh, we have a pretty big villain bracket brawl throwdown going on, David. Tell, uh, tell everybody about that. Yeah, so first of all, thank you to everyone that's been participating. This has been, I mean, between the Bracket Brawl and my own personal hashtag 31 Days of Horror that I am redoing this year. Um, Of course, it's a little bit um, dissimilar to last year. Last year was all horror movies that I had already watched. This year, it's predominantly horror movies that have been suggested to me by our amazing fans and listeners. Uh, But yeah, the Bracket Brawl... Uh, Ted, I think that was 
technically your idea. Like, I don't even fucking remember what my original idea was. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, like, I told that idea to you and you were like, why don't we have like a, a bracket where like they they quote unquote you know face off or compete with each other yeah i think the original idea was to just do one big poll and let people that's right do write-ins or yeah, what that's... Have you. like we were going to think up a few and then and then leave it open so people could do write-ins and i was like you know what would be really kind of fun uh and and in, in my opinion at least amusing because i find stupid kitschy shit amusing sometimes like this. <laughs> um let's do it tournament style yeah um and i don't care what anybody else thinks that's still amusing to me so (laughs) (laughs) yeah someone actually tried to step to me and be like bro it's not even march i was like what the fuck are you even talking about (laughs) because as we all know tournaments only happen in the month of march because there's nothing but college basketball i'm still betting on football and baseball so we'll we'll get back to you mr (laughs) college basketball person all right the degenerate gambler has spoken right (laughs) uh but no just like ted said it's it's been going really great like we, we've gotten a lot of listener and fan interaction as far as comments. Like uh, I was kind of under the impression that I would just like post the daily poll, um, you know, for, for the two villains that face off against each other and then people would vote and then move on with their lives. But like people are actually taking time out of their day to back up their votes with you know some logic and reasoning and i'm like people are fucking bringing it and like i was ted we were actually talking about this before we hit record that someone actually like swayed my vote in another direction like um the the poll today was pennywise versus pinhead and my knee-jerk reaction was to vote for pennywise but i i uh, instead decided to go with pinhead because uh, you know, this person was like, yeah, uh, Pennywise, he kind of gets off on like people having fear and fearing him in particular and pinhead, like he doesn't give a fuck about anyone. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, good point. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's an interesting consideration. Uh, I'd have to really think about it, but uh, it's not a bad, it's not a bad argument. It's yeah. Definitely, it's definitely, um, it's a very good argument actually. So right. Kudos to that person. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about this for just a few more minutes, but like I wanted to kind of start it out by saying um, I did kind of make this clear-ish uh, after the fact. I When I initially posted like the, the full bracket, like the full 16 seed bracket or, or what have you, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned that it was all randomized. Like I just typed all of the names into like a bracket generator or name like randomizer or whatever. And it just randomly paired up everyone together. And then I kind of took a quick look at it. I was like, yeah, that looks pretty good. You know, the, the pairings don't look too off. Um, and then Ted, I showed it to you. Um, I, I sent it over your way and you gave it the okay. And it, that's two sets of eyes on it so i was like okay well it well, must let me be... stop you right there because i pretty much phoned it in <laughs> when you were like this is what it is i was like cool post it i do not care i'm done talking about this <laughs> all right well um good to know but either way it did have two sets of eyes on it and people found something to complain about naturally uh As they yes the the main issue was just the quote-unquote odd pairings of uh, the the face-offs i think the one that got the most complaints the was uh yeah it, it was 
<clears throat> the Freddy versus Ghostface oh. that got a little bit of quote unquote backlash, but really not too much. It was mainly from a couple people. I think they were just a little heartbroken that Ghostface didn't win. Um, Ghostface yeah, I'm never gonna win any. He's a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, and the first it, it, anyway, moving on, David, go ahead. right now. Uh, so Freddie won that by a pretty big landslide, and then Leatherface versus Jigsaw that wasn't as much of a landslide victory. Um, Jigsaw did put up a little bit of a fight, and I did vote for Jigsaw, but he, of course, fucking lost. Um, I guess people were more self assured about Leatherface being able to hits either um a handicapped old man or a fucking doll riding a tricycle um whatever form he decides to take in this particular fighting instance so um i don't know uh but yeah but yesterday that was the most um i don't know ted what would you what would you call it what you know the the pairings were equally matched um i i don't i don't know how how you'd put it uh there was they were the most evenly matched is how i would put it okay well cool uh thanks for (laughs) fucking clarifying that for me um so and that's mostly thanks to you because after it was pointed out to me that the leatherface versus jigsaw didn't make any goddamn sense i was like fine Uh, So I handed it back off to you and I was like, will you take more than two seconds to reconsider the pairings? And you're like, fine, I guess I'll pull my weight. (laughs) (laughs) That that was my good Ted impression. Uh, You don't want to hear my bad Ted impression. Um, But you, uh, you came back just like a few minutes later uh, with the, uh, the pairings. And then I went into Photoshop. I redid the bracket and I posted back up on Facebook. Like, okay, first of all, uh, uh, Jason won. Second of all, here is the rematches of uh, of all the or no, that was that was right after Leatherface, Leatherface versus won, Jason. and then here's the rematches. Yes, yeah. Um, um, people were. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say people were much happier with the revision. So good job, Ted. Yeah. Well, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Shauna, do you have any thoughts on the poll? So I've been following it. Um, I have, I think, only voted a couple of times. I might have voted all four times. I'm not sure. But um, I thought the pairings, even the ones that didn't match up completely evenly, like what you would think Michael Myers versus Jason Voorhees would be, um, you have to take into consideration the villain, the bad guy, monster, whomever it is, and who they terrorize and how they terrorize because – Um, I may not be as afraid of somebody like Pennywise, um, as I would pinhead, but if I was 10 years old and I was going to get sucked down a storm drain and eaten by a killer clown, I would think that Pennywise would just win hands down. So, you know, I think our, I think people need to take into consideration, um, the victims and how they victimize because, uh, I think that would make a lot more sense. Um, yeah. yeah. If only we were smart and had thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. This podcast is over. Uh, thank you for joining us, Shauna. You're dead to us. Uh, no, I think that's, you know, that is a, that is a really good point. Um, 
you know, the point I raised to David when he was telling me that everybody was upset, I was like, look, um, Leatherface versus Jigsaw in a, in a classic tournament style is like a one seed Leatherface versus a 16 seed play-in winner Jigsaw. Okay. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense, but whatever, we'll fix it because people don't understand how fucking tournaments work. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're moving on I, past that. I, I, I mean, people are enjoying it, even though we had to do it a second time. It, hey, at, at least we only got uh, two matches into it before we were, you know, we decided Inundated to... with negativity. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, like, God forbid someone use their brain and be like, okay, well, Leatherface and Jigsaw, they're not it really in the same like subgenre of horror so let me let me use my brain to figure out like who could outsmart who or who would like you know have the element of surprise or blah 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 right. it, like no one really wanted to do that they just wanted to go with like their knee-jerk reaction uh, but their knee-jerk reaction was um was blunted by this idea that they shouldn't be paired up against each other and i was like come on Use some creativity, people. But I mean, it's, you know. it's just for fun. This is just for yeah. It it, it ain't that deep, fam. As Ted yeah. likes to tell me, <laughs> yeah, like like on a daily basis, where I'm like, "How about this?" And you're like, "Hey, how about you you shut the fuck up?" It's like work hours right now. I'm trying to work, dipshit. <laughs> well, I mean, not in so many words, but <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, that's just me putting words words in your mouth. But anyways, um, yeah. So too much time talking about this, really. Uh, uh, whatever I, th- yeah. I think it's the appropriate amount of time anyway. um but yeah today's poll was pennywise versus pinhead and the last time i checked pinhead was pretty much dominating um pennywise did have a couple votes i think maybe four or five but pinhead had like 21 22 i think i mean look i'm gonna go with the super goth over the dude who gets owned by a bunch of 12 year olds <laughs> literally every time. Right. Yeah. Pinhead I, looks like an extra from a sisters of mercy music video. <laughs> There's nothing about that. That's bad. Okay. Let's get that straight. Number one, number two, right. once again, and I cannot stress this enough owned by 12 year olds, <laughs> like just right. fucked up fam. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Shauna, what did you vote in this one yet? Or so I did. Um, okay. Now I badly want, I, I would, my favorite is obviously Pennywise. Um, mm. And you know, yeah, I know I, you're a big <laughs> Stephen King fan. Yeah. And he's a scary guy, you know, and I think about being 12 or whatever and, and, you know, dealing with him, encountering him. Um, I did end up voting for Pinhead because I did like that one fan's, um, or the one commenter's argument about mm-hmm. that he's not afraid of anything. Like he literally doesn't have a weakness except for his box. Right. Um, and so that kind of convinced me too. Um, but Pennywise, I would, he'd be my emotional vote. He'd, he'd be the one I would want to win. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like I've had that instance for every single one of these so far. Like, there, I think there's been one that has been like a clear cut, like, oh yeah, that's easy. But for the most part, like Michael Myers versus Voorhees, like that one was super difficult. Yeah. Like, I think I took the entire day before <laughs> I casted my vote. I was like, I like, I love them both. Like, can it's they true. both win? Yeah. <laughs> um, or both then, die? Or both die? Sure. Uh, both be, continue to be undead, I guess. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, 
I think we chatted about the bracket brawl and the the polling and the commenting for a decent amount of time. Do you guys want to get to the topic at hand? Yeah. Yes. So much excitement on that. Yes. Good the movie about teenagers being killed by um, you know a guy who wears people's skin. It, it, <laughs> it's hard to be excited about that. It's frankly horrifying. <laughs> I mean, sure. You raise a decent point. <laughs> Um, so, so this movie actually, uh, is celebrated. It's Are something you anniversary. <laughs> 46th, I believe. 46th. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think it was actually just like yesterday, the day before, um, uh, it was I, pretty recently. It had its, uh, it was the anniversary of its festival premiere pretty recently uh, in the last, last week or so. Yeah. Um, the date that. I, I think it was IMDb or Google had is uh, October 11th, 1974. Um, so yeah, that's, that's either the theatrical premiere or what you say the festival. festival. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much the reason why we decided to talk about this movie, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, other than the fact that it's an awesome slasher horror and, um, it's kind of a trailblazer, right? Like almost one of the first of its kind. Like guys, can you think of any other this like slashers or, or something similar to this that came before it? I mean, personally, yes. Okay. I mean, depending on how loose you want to go with the terminology or the definition of slasher. I mean, you could consider something like psycho a slasher in some way. Sure. It's, it's, yeah. You know, uh, but I mean, Peeping Tom from 1960, Blood and Black Lace from 1964, uh, that's about a mask killer killing models. Um, I mean, those are both pretty, you know, I think those are both pretty tried and true, quote unquote, slashers. Right. Italy had the whole yellow, um, uh, yellow film movement. So um, okay, that, that was really more of a 70s thing, but it had kind of started up, you know, in the, in the late 60s. Late 60s, yeah. Yeah, it seemed like, I don't know, is hillbilly horror like... A, a technical subgenre of of horror like do either of you guys know i i mean i i always thought it was okay like because i that that like term subgenre name or whatever you want to call it popped into my head the other day as i was typing up these notes and i was like hillbilly horror like that's not something cool that i would like be able to come up with on my own i feel like i've actually heard yeah. that before and i i think it gets referred to like um, by movies like this and the Hills have eyes yeah. and like all of Rob Zombie's movies. Um, they, they just, they're horror movies, usually slashers that take place in like the deep South. In yeah. The middle of nowhere. Some yeah. off the beaten path. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's fair. I mean, the Hills have eyes is basically directly inspired by this film. So, I mean, that, yeah, but that's, right. that's going to be kind of your one, two punch, but I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shauna, so we've heard the least from you thus far. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Was it quite a while ago? I, I know you've seen, uh, or when you were growing up and your dad exposed you to a lot of horror. Um, did, it, it, was this one of the movies that ended up getting brought up pretty early on? Yes. Um, I can't remember the first time I saw this particular movie um but it was 
definitely sometime junior high, high school. It was definitely before college. Okay. Um, I think I was a bit older before I was able to see these kinds of horror movies. Um, sure. Just because there's so much, well, there's not that there's not a lot of like sex and stuff in, you know, any of the other right. movies that we watch. Right, but, but that's like sex, you know. Right. This is like mutilation and I don't know, like rape Can- and I, you know. Yeah, so- and cannibalism. cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, th- this movie's got everything. Drugs, <laughs> sex, cannibals. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I'm sure I was a bit older. Um, but I I mean, I I've seen it several times over the years, although I had to rewatch it recently because mm-hmm. it had probably been about 10 or 15 years since I'd seen it. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, because I've seen, there's so many other movies that are part of that franchise that, um, right. you know, you get occupied with number three and all of the remakes and reboots and everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, it had been a long time since I saw this version. Okay. That's cool. Uh, Ted, do you remember when you first saw this movie? Um, I think I was probably like 16. Okay. Um, I, if memory serves and I've been hit in the head a lot of times, so I could be wrong on this, but if memory serves, I've rented the VHS from the library. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wow. And, I rented uh, Pulp Fiction from the MTSU library <laughs> <laughs> on, on VHS. Yeah. Oh, the two, the two, two boxer. Yeah, 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 that's that's what it was. Um, yeah, if memory serves, that's where I rented this from. Although it may have been like Hollywood Video or something, I, I can't remember for sure. Sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the library because it would have been free, right? Um, and you know, this movie was already kind of like legendary, yeah. basically. You know, mm-hmm. or aficionados, so. I think I, I pretty well knew about it, but I, I don't, I still don't think I was like prepared for it. If that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, that makes perfect sense. So yeah, it was just, uh, just wild man. Uh, but yeah, it, it was not something I was, pre- even as a kid who watched a lot of horror movies, this one was just like, there was something different about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I so I didn't watch this movie for the first time until maybe like 2017, 2018. So it was fairly recent. Uh, You know, we've had this discussion many times on the podcast, but I just I didn't grow up with horror as uh, it it wasn't as part. I'm sorry. uh, oh no, it's it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel badly for you. I no. wow. uh, I mean, hey. <laughs> I mean, like, I I was a fan of the genre, but it wasn't, um, I don't know, like, I didn't really seek it out a- as I do now. I guess I just had to grow into it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I did kind of like, I did appreciate it the first time I watched it, but that's about as much as I could say for it. Like, I didn't, I was like, okay, cool, like, now I see so I see where Rob Zombie got literally fucking all of his ideas from. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a big talking point. Sorry to cut you off, but that was a no. big talking point when House of a Thousand Corpses came out. I was like, this is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but <laughs> Right. In yeah. Like every Definitely. Respect. 
Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you know, I had a lot of appreciation for it, but as as far as me actually liking the movie and and whatnot, or I I was like, sure, I guess. Uh, I did watch it in an odd setting. I was at work at the time, and yeah. we were kind of like it was an office job, and but we were since like work from time to time got a little slow. Um, and if there was no work to be done, then we literally had nothing to do. So they allowed us to, you know, watch Netflix or whatever. And so I was like, Oh yeah. Like Shauna, that was actually around the time where, uh, you know, our two families started hanging out. Like we first yeah. met around that time we started hanging out a lot. And so that's when really, when horror really like kicked up in my life, um, in a major way. And so I think you had just recently recommended it, um, or, or you berated me like Ted <laughs> likes to do for not seeing it. And I was like, all right, well, this'll, this'll get her off my back for like two seconds until she finds the next movie that I have not seen that I need to see right away. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, so I recently rewatched this movie. I think it was just last week. And I have a brand new appreciation for it. And I actually really, really like it. Like I, I like it now. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if that like does anything for you. If that like means, okay, well we won't stab David in the neck today. Like we'll, <laughs> we'll save our stabbing for his shitty opinions on another day when he, you know, sticks his, you know, head in the sand or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I do like it. So it's an amazing film. I mean, it really is from even that. I mean, the acting I think is phenomenal. Um, especially when you compare it to a lot of the more contemporary horror movies that we see mm -hmm. that are just lame and ridiculous. And I think like, <laughs> how are these people actors? There's no way they actually paid them to do this. Um, right. I can't believe I paid somebody to watch this. I mean, it's just, and, and the acting was phenomenal. Um, the cinematography was phenomenal and it didn't rely on, um, I know we've had CGI discussions, but it doesn't mm -hmm. rely on that. It doesn't rely right. on that kind of technology. Oh yeah. Um, there's like nothing, none of it in no. there. Like, I mean, CG was like in its infancy oh, right? Uh, in this, in the, uh, this was the seventies, right? Yeah. 74. Yeah, so CG wasn't even like a thing, oh. right? <laughs> right. <laughs> let alone for the budget that they had for this movie. You know? Right. Even if it were, they wouldn't have been able to afford it. Yeah. Like in the exorcist, like they actually threw a priest down those fucking stairs <laughs> <laughs> they were like all right well we need at least one hopefully look, we can look, get another one <laughs> uh, god's on your side good luck bro. <laughs> <laughs> eating him into the sun i don't sorry i don't know why i had to bring up the exorcist i recently rewatched that one too um but yeah no shauna you you brought up a interesting uh point about the acting i I too thought the acting was great and for multiple reasons. One, I mean, just for acting sake, but also like this was shot in a month, I think like four to six weeks maybe. And it was during like one of the hottest um, summers of all time in Texas at the time. And so like, you know, you, you see them like in the van or like walking around, just like sw sweat dripping off of their faces. And, um, you know, the, at the dinner scene where she's like freaking out and she's like strapped to the chair, like you gotta think like, 
how much of that was acting and how much of it was like heat exhaustion right (laughs) because like they apparently didn't have any ventilation or ac or anything in inside that house so like all of that food like that was not prop food it was real food that they set out and like it just rotted instantly because of lack of like um you know cool air and things that you need to keep food you know relatively fresh yeah right um and and so yeah i like i said it, it was interesting that you brought up the acting because i thought that um given the circumstances that the acting was pretty damn incredible Oh yeah, yeah and they're oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ted. Oh uh, no, I was gonna say I don't. I don't know that I agree that the acting was good necessarily. Like, I th- I think that they were believable characters, um, and I think that was aided by the fact that they were a bunch of, for the most part, a bunch of nobodies. Um, at least in terms of like named actors, you know, there's still people obviously, but right, uh, a bunch of like no name actors. Yeah, it was basically like a cast cast casting from, like, Midland, Texas. You know, so. yeah. I think that they were believable, whereas it wasn't necessarily good acting. Like, oh, that's a good accent. Like, that was just them talking. You know, like, I, so right. I don't know that the acting was great necessarily. I just think that it was very inspired, I guess, casting. Sure. Yeah, I I can see that. I well, mean, that's... I, I I agree with that too. Although I think that these characters, um, and this is one of my points for later, but they are all of these scenes are so mundane, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. so, these are normal things that people do all the time. And yet they, the characters are, um, they're, they're almost going crazy. Um, they're, they're like maniacs and, um, it's, I mean, even the ones that aren't killing are maniacs and Mm -hmm. the madness that surrounds the film. And I think it's, it's gotta be hard. I would think to act like that to to and have it be believable the madness the madness um you know especially with sally right yeah yeah i think that's that's a fair point yeah um so i i read somewhere that this uh, and i think this came up during the psycho episode we were talking about um some ed Gein influences like and how he's influenced like a bunch of other movies. Well, apparently this was another Ed Gein influenced film. Yes. Um, it's, I know it's like loosely based, like it's not like a, a retelling of the quote unquote Ed Gein story or, you know, what have you, but it's, you know, certain parts of it are based off of things that happened with, with him and his situation. Um, Yes. Uh, Well, his, he collected body parts, gained it. Um, Right. He created things from them, um, like lamps and um, (laughs) different (laughs) pieces of artwork and, you know, for him, artwork, um, mementos and things like that. So he, he actually used body parts as um, like an artistic medium and, um, and in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they do as well. I mean, you see it as part of the decorations in the house, you know, right. it's on the walls, they have skin on the walls and, um, you know, obviously there's the mask of, of skin, but there are right. body parts throughout the house and they're more celebrated. Um, and so almost like artwork, um, mm-hmm. admired. So I feel like there's a pretty strong, you know, resemblance between what Gein was doing and what this family was doing. So, right. 
yeah, it's uh, it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, I just uh, Sean, and when you mentioned the the lamp or lampshade, like it it cracks me up. I mean, one because that's fucking funny, just in general. But two, like, uh, I saw a shirt the other day. I think someone. It was a homemade shirt that I saw on on facebook but it just said it had a picture of ed gein and uh and then right next to it a picture of a lampshade and it was like you'd make a terrific lampshade (laughs) (laughs) you should make that shirt yeah uh i i should um i don't i mean i don't want to owe any copyright money (laughs) to the ed gein estate but if that's a a thing ted do you know something tells me that he didn't have a family that's gonna sue you (laughs) no he probably ate them all yeah 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 or shame uh, them shame them yeah right exactly um uh what else what else uh what, what do we got in our notes here well i know you mentioned the heat um, yeah my god the heat yeah and that was kind of the first thing when i rewatched this the other day that i, I thought about i was like that's such a big it's almost like a character in and of itself in the yes. film and like the movie sort of just settles in immediately like a really thick humidity um, right which you know we're familiar with here in in the south and of course in, mm-hmm. in texas they in parts of texas they have a lot of humidity t- as well so it's like it just settles in and it's like oppressive you just it's like it's <laughs> thick around you and it's uncomfortable and so like you immediately understand like their circumstances as far as that goes right yeah i mean like they already have what like is it four or five people in that van yeah there's already Um, five people in the van yeah and then they pick up the hitchhiker and you're like like first of all why and second of all like why like you have like five people in that fucking van like you really want to uh you know invite a weirdo hitchhiker into your van they talk about it the the character one of the characters um in the van says where are we going to fit this guy? And they joke right. and say like, oh, put him next to Franklin, you know, and, and they do, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then he cuts him, but you know, and then they're talking right. about how stinky he's going to be. And like, he's been <laughs> out here all day on these like slaughter farms, like he's going to smell. And right. so you, you, you feel it. You yeah. Feel it. And, yeah. And they did a really good job of like prefacing that whole scene where, they pick him up and then the subsequent interaction with that uh, brief discussion right beforehand where they talked about the slaughterhouses and i I think it was uh, what's what's the guy's name in the wheelchair again franklin franklin yeah I, i think it was him that started talking about um how they used to uh how they used to kill the cattle by like strangling them or something they would bludgeon them Mm -hmm. that's right yeah um but they moved on to that like hydraulic um gun thing that you know shoots him in the head with a steel rod kind of Mm -hmm. you know the thing from no country for old men um and and so yeah like you kind of have like the idea of the the real gritty behind the scenes-ness of a slaughterhouse uh, like fresh in your mind and then you get to this point of like picking up this hitchhiker who you know is basically coming home from the day 
yeah, for the day right. from the slaughterhouse. And you're just like, oh, uh, yeah, this is not a good idea. <laughs> well, and then they say to him, like, hey, you know, so you don't, you know, smack them in the head or beat them in the head until they die anymore. And he's like, oh, no, we do. You know, that's that's the better way to do it, you know, and right. Like, get him out of there. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I think they do a great job setting it up, setting you up and then. Um, and setting this scene and then they pick up this guy anyway. It's like, what? <laughs> but, right. Yeah. yeah. That, that whole segment, like leading up to him being picked up and then the first part of his ride with them before it gets really off the rails, like you said, with the, with the, the knives and everything, it, um, it really sets up the movie and it, it, yeah. it really gives you a lot of background without being super obvious about it. At least I, right. I think, you know, yeah, I agree. Um, because he talks about like, oh no, you know, hitting him with the hammer is, is the better way. And sometimes you got to do it more than once. And then you see that happen later in the film. And right. It kind of leads you to believe where he's like, this, this may just be like me reading too deeply into things. Maybe it ain't that deep fam, but um, <laughs> where he mentions like, you know, it put a lot of people out of work and the, the hammer was the better way. So I, I kind of thought that in, in some way and, maybe again, I'm reading too deeply into this. I kind of thought that in some way, like basically this was the downfall of their family. Once the slaughterhouse changed and like, yeah. because later they talk about how their ground their grandfather was the best at using the hammer. Um, I felt like that was kind of the beginning of their down, maybe not the beginning of their downward spiral into like, you know, psychopathy and cannibalism, but right. Just kind of like almost setting them up as like tragic characters in a way yeah oh absolutely i and i don't i i agree with you i think that you know this family is incredibly resourceful right i mean they're eating what they kill they're decorating <laughs> what they kill um and they're continuing their work right even at home so <laughs> right you know it's it's the perfect like bring your work home kind of thing and and give yourself purpose even grandpa gets purpose right they, they would be fantastic coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> like ain't no rona getting in there like rona like takes one look and being like i'm the fuck out okay That's actually where rona originated <laughs> <laughs> right there was no bats involved it right. was hammers instead yeah flesh hammers <laughs> hammers and flesh and cows the cows yeah um I can't remember who it was. One of you mentioned like it's just weird that they picked up a hitchhiker, which I agree, but I think that's mostly a product of like different generations. Yeah, for the sure. one thing I thought watching this movie this time that I kept thinking is the seventies must have been crazy different <laughs> than yeah. the times that I think we're all about the same age and the times we grew up in because like they're picking up hitchhikers, which I was always told never do. Mm -hmm. And now I know why. <laughs> and then like later they go to find gas at this stranger's house and it, when nobody answers the door i'm just like fuck it i'm out there's nobody here instead this this dipshit is just like i'm gonna just walk into this house <laughs> so like yes. what the fuck was happening in the 70s that's what i want to know yeah 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 it, it's it really was one of those times where I guess things were maybe a little bit more innocent. Some front doors got left unlocked more often than not, uh, or more often than they do now. Um, hitchhikers were being picked up. It's just, um, it was a more innocent time where you could just bludgeon a man to death with a hammer in the privacy of your own home. Like God right. intended. Yeah. And, and get away with it with, relatively, with it. <laughs> no issues. <laughs> relatively speaking, you yeah. know, li little to no, issues. several, a few issues. <laughs> 
I, I think Ted's right on. I mean, you have to, you do have to put the film into context because um, obviously, like, we wouldn't be picking up a strange hitchhiker in like 100 degree weather. But I don't know, maybe if I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm like smoking with a bunch of my friends and we're in a van and we're like high on life or whatever, and we want to pick some random guy up to give him a lift. I don't know. I mean, but yeah, it was a totally different time. I mean, back when our parents were hitchhiking and... (laughs) I mean, not yeah. something yeah. we do. Well, uh, Sean, I will come to your funeral after you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, you screen the guy now, right? You don't you 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 talk to him from outside of the van. You get some information from him. Take a look at his driver's license. I mean, you don't just like let him in the van. Look, but... I, I I'm I try not to be a judgmental prick, but if I see a dude that looks like that on the side of the road with a giant scar on half of his face <laughs> carrying around what looks like a decapitated possum as yeah. a fanny pack. <laughs> I'm speeding up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. Okay. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I could see yeah, that. That's, that's fair. Um, you guys want to talk about like Leatherface in particular? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the guy in this. The <laughs> yes. guy. Yes. The guy. Um, and, uh, the very first time I heard of Leatherface was I was watching Idle Hands. This is totally random, but like uh, it was that scene where um, I, I think it was Seth. Uh, what's his name? Not uh, Seth with the orange hair. Um, Seth Rogen. Yes, yeah, oh, Seth, Seth Green. Yeah, and he he gets the uh, the electric, I guess, turkey cutter, and he's like, "Look at me, I'm Leatherface." Um, <laughs> and that was the very first time i heard of leatherface and i was like i don't get that reference someone had to explain it to me but anyways um yeah leatherface he's got a couple different masks right he's got like a he's got the the main mask we're pretty much all familiar with but then he's got a mask for like when he's being a uh like a housewife i guess for um the the fitting term of that time uh is you know he like has his apron right right um and then he has another one, but I can't remember. Shauna, do you do you remember what his what the third mask is? I, I don't. Okay. I, I know I know it's you know it's it's hard to express emotion with one mask, right? <laughs> so I right. feel like it makes sense that he would have several for um, you know, how perhaps how he was feeling at the moment or, you know, the kind of day he was gonna have. But no, I don't I, yeah, I don't remember what the other mask with. yeah yeah i i bet vin diesel watched this movie and he's like dude needs three masks i just need one baby <laughs> yeah i i think it's the first time i watched it i don't think i noticed the mask change probably because i was so busy being like what the fuck out of my brain <laughs> um <laughs> right and then i saw it this time and i don't i, I don't know that it's necessarily to better display emotion although i don't think that's wrong necessarily mm-hmm. either um, I think it's just sort of, maybe it's not emotion, but I, I think that that's how he feels he's supposed to look or what he's supposed to do. Like, right. Like he's assuming that role, right? Like that's his task or his role. Like you said, like right. uh, when we first see him, he's down in the slaughterhouse, the basement slaughterhouse, I guess. And, and it's kind of just like the, the work almost mask i guess like it's pretty plain it's not right you know and then when we see him serving food or attempting to 
um you know it's the it's it's got makeup it's it's almost like and he's dressed up also mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know you know he's he's out of his yeah. work clothes right um which is a very like traditional deep south thing you know where mm-hmm. you, you dress up for for family dinner you know especially yeah. when you have guests right he, yeah um, so yeah it, he was it, in like heels i think yeah so Maybe. it makes a lot of sense in that aspect um or it lends a lot of credence i guess i should say to that kind of thought process of you know, this is how I'm supposed to look for this instance or this circumstance. Right. Yeah. One thing that uh, one little trivia factoid that I thought was super interesting was uh, apparently, um, what's his name? Uh, yeah. He, he was given some artistic liberty and uh, I don't what do you call License. It? Uh, Sure. Yeah. License to kind of experiment with the character, you know, kind of give it, it, it its own personal backstory and um, how he would personally interpret this character. And I think both him and the director kind of came to this agreement that he would probably in real life be, you know, on some level mentally retarded or mentally handicapped. And so he ended up going to, you know, this is the seventies, you know, mind you. So they, instead of like taking care of them uh, because families didn't really have a firm understanding of how to take care of like physically and mentally handicapped people, they were sent to like a, you know, a hospital or, you know, a living arrangement. That's like a, I don't want to say a psych ward, but it's, you know, like that situation. And so he would go there and visit with mentally handicapped people um, and just to observe. Um, and it wasn't just like it, one of those acting things where you like kind of submerge yourself or submerge yourself within that culture that you're trying to represent on screen. It was so that when he inevitably had to depict it on screen for the movie, um, he did it in the most respectable respectful way possible um and coming from a family that you know has a lot of mental illness and you know my brother ben he's in a wheelchair like i really appreciated that um, especially given the time period like the 70s like uh you know retarded was a word thrown around a lot uh (laughs) at this point in time so um, yeah, I don't know. That was just a little trivia tidbit that I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, it, I, I mean, it served his character well, at least. Right. Um, and I, I think it gave him some credibility without being silly or foolish or over-exaggerated, yeah. um, which some of the characters do end up looking that way um Mm -hmm. but leatherface i feel like is i mean taking out what he does you know okay the whole like killing and maiming and dismembering and whatever else (laughs) he's actually kind of a normal guy i mean he seems relatively put together I, i don't know especially comparing him to some of the other characters. So I, I, you know, I, I thought, I thought he was, it, it served him well, whatever research he did, it served him well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the jumped out at me watching the film recently is that Leatherface is like terrified of the kids. Right. Yeah. Like Rangers. Yeah. There's a scene where he like, you can see him jump as one of them screams. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the first uh, the first woman that goes in 
after she she like follows your boyfriend in, he he's like Rah! and like jumps and then runs back to get something. Um, right, and is like terrified of it. And then after he disposes of uh, of her, he's like he runs and checks another room to like see, to make uh, you know seemingly to make sure that it's handled. There's like there's not somebody else waiting around the corner, right? Which I thought was a really interesting um, like way to play it because. <clears throat> so many subsequent films like this and even subsequent films in this franchise, they turn Leatherface into like an unstoppable killing machine. Right. A la Jason. Yeah. And like, okay, that there's a place for that, you know, but I thought this was an interesting wrinkle where it's not just like unstoppable death machine. It's like a, again, almost like a tragic character. Now I'm not saying we should be sympathetic to the guy who's chopping people up with chainsaw. Right. But, you know, they do try to play it a little different than, the average horror villain. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what makes this movie so special, uh, you know, as, as a movie and a horror movie is, you know, he's, he's like a humanized villain. Like Ted, like you said, you know, it's not necessarily normal to cut up people with a chainsaw. However, he just has a more personable touch to him than like Freddie or Jason or Michael, like, you know, th they're all basically undead, you know, right. uh, like you said, unstoppable killing machines. But, you know, this guy, like, you know, he, as he's chasing Sally with the chainsaw, like, you know, they go into that house and as she's going up the stairs, uh, you know, she turns back to see if he's still following her. And at that moment, he's walking through the door and she like screams because she's scared. Um, you know, you see him like jump back. He's like, Oh, <laughs> um, but then, you know, of course, yeah, persistent as always, like he, you know, follows her up the stairs. Um, so yeah, uh, Ted, I, I totally agree and understand what you're saying about him just having that more personal, personable touch to him. Yeah. That said, I think that the first shot of him and that first kill is like horrific. <laughs> it's yeah <laughs> because he's just like the guy runs in he trips up the little ramp and then as he looks up that's when leatherface first appears and he and it's shot in a way it's like back and forth between the characters so you don't get like that long lingering shot on leatherface at first and then there's just that like grotesque thud of the hammer right and then the like shriek of the sheet metal door and then the slamming of it that just sounds weird in some way. Like, I don't think they augmented the sound to it necessarily, but it's mm -hmm. just like the finality of it. You're just like, what the fuck? Like the movie starts <laughs> out crazy, right? Oh, Within yeah. the first what five, 10 minutes, there's a guy who's cut himself, cut somebody else, you know, lit something on fire in the van. So like <laughs> it starts out at 10 and then you see that and you're just like, what the fuck? What, what has happened? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> Who allowed this? I'm moving out of Texas. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it happens so quickly. And, and like you said, there's this like, kind of like thud, like, like you said, finality and he's, and he's gone, you know? And it's like, yeah. where did he go? He went behind the door. Like, what's he going to do? What's going to happen? And you, you almost want to say like, wait, wait, hold on a second, you know? Um, yeah. So it, it's not like it's, it's grotesque, 
right? Like it's gruesome, but it's not it's not super gory. There's some blood, right. but it's not like, you know, a lot of other films that really revel in that. Yeah. Um and then there's just that kind of like it, it does leave you wanting more in a way in in a kind of a weird way because you know, a lot of films, particularly slasher films that really they really revel in the kills. Like that's what people like. They really revel in that cruelty whereas this one's just like slam on the head, slams the door, which really goes with the theme of like it being really you know toby hooper the director said he's like the film's about meat basically yeah um i texted david this and i was like this is basically the most effective (laughs) PETA commercial yeah i was like this is like somebody gave PETA enough money to make a snuff film (laughs) is what it really reminded me of yeah yeah i think i read in the trivia that one of the actors in the uh, dinner scene actually went strictly vegetarian or vegan after this because he after filming this he could stand like the sight or smell of meat because it just reminded him of like all that rotting food that they had to put up with it, it does amuse me in a way that basically everybody involved in this film or involved as an actor in this film hates it and many of them hate the director like um <laughs> edward i think his name is edwin neal who played the hitchhiker mm-hmm. um he literally in an interview, he was like, I hate Toby Hooper to this day and I will fight him if I see him, basically. <laughs> Which is like, that seems like an overreaction, but at the same time, like, I kind of get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, four or six weeks of filming, like, that doesn't seem necessarily terrible, but it probably feels like a lot in, like, 110 degree heat. Uh, so, you know, I... I wasn't there, so you know I'll, I'll have to take his word for it. Um, I did read that he was actually thanked by Texas State Troopers because since the movie wa- was released, like crime dropped like eighteen percent apparently, <laughs> um, because like I, I guess people didn't pick up hitchhikers, and I don't know, maybe people were just nicer to each other and decided not to eat one another. Um, <laughs> but you know. Regardless of what it was, um, you know, crime dropped like 17 or 18 percent, significant amount. So, yeah. so we've talked a lot about Leatherface, which obviously is, you know, like the enduring icon of the film. But he's far from the only thing that makes the movie scary. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, let's talk about some of the other things that they use effectively. Excuse me to really boost that like fear factor. Uh, well, like you said, like, it's not super gory. Like there's maybe a couple shots that, you know, have something in it, but for the most part, like, so I, I think, I don't know, Ted, kind of like what you were saying with the sound design, like it seemed so intentional and not thoroughly planned out like you know nowadays like you know we've talked about fight club in the past and how with the sound design you know the the punches they actually went down to a basement and they hit giant bags of meat with baseball bats basically but like all this seems super intentional and like they're like yeah we're actually going to take our boom mic and you know hit something in the room that you know these actors are in to create that sound. I don't know. It was just, it's sound. It just was so authentic that it was actually like kind of fucking scary. 
Well, and even in this, even when there's absence of sound, like even in the silence in the film, um, it seems very intentional too. And you're just, sometimes that can be so uncomfortable and you're like waiting for something terrible to happen. And, and I think when films have a lot of silence, um, it's, it's actually scarier than when they have this like super background, like music or, yeah. you know, these, you know, sounds of the forest or whatever. Um, uh, so I, I, I think that was scary too, because you were like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And right. when you can't hear anything, when there isn't any sound, um, then when there is a sound, then it's amplified. So yeah. I, I think that that worked well for the film too. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The The thing about this movie that I, I noticed uh, about halfway through this most recent rewatch is that the only music that I could make out was like the radio. Yes. Like actual right. music. There's yeah. not a soundtrack like the typical horror movie soundtrack where it's all like atonal strings and like, yes. you know, somebody comes in with like a crash symbol or something. Turn the lights <laughs> off, carry me home. Oh, oh yeah, wrong decade. Um, but, you know, the so the sounds that you do have are supposedly, uh, this may be, you know, apocryphal or an urban legend, but supposedly all the sound effects that they tried to they they used they tried to model after a slaughterhouse so like things yeah. that you would hear in a slaughterhouse which is kind of gross in its own way oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and then when they put it in to this film it's like it's it's super effective you know right yeah um, i i think like a lot of the ambient noise was like they literally went into a slaughterhouse like you said and and uh and recorded the the sounds like the natural everyday occurring sounds inside a slaughterhouse and use that as like low-key ambient noise you know throughout certain points in the movie just to like you know when it starts getting suspenseful you're like it's not like that background noise that or or, you know backing music that we're kind of used to it's something much more raw and visceral that it just makes you really uncomfortable yeah Yeah, definitely go ahead even some of the like innocuous sounds like when they're in the house in their in their grandfather's old house and they're like laughing and carrying on like you hear that in the distance and it sounds kind of like crying yeah or like screaming or or like these kind of weird moans like it doesn't really sound like laughter even though you know you see them all together laughing and joking with the exception of franklin who has kind of a shitty moment but um (laughs) you know you know that they're laughing you've just seen it but then when it cuts back to him and he's like yelling for his sister and and trying to get everybody you know to pay attention it doesn't sound like laughter right 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 and then at the beginning when they're going through the the opening right before john larroquette who it just amuses me that john larroquette is the uh narrator i don't know why that's so funny to me but it is like <laughs> the guy from night court you know <laughs> i mean, was that who that is <laughs> yeah <laughs> apparently he was paid in uh one single marijuana joint yeah wow <laughs> yeah so um good for him i guess yeah but as as he's doing the narration or right before the narration starts when you see all the like flashes um of different sites you hear that weird like sound effect it to me it sounded like a a door like a really squeaky hinge Mm -hmm. opening but like distorted in some way uh which is uncomfortable yeah Uh, it's just it's just it's just great 
Yeah, for sure. I think the scariest noise that I remember from the film um, is the noisy generator. Like when, so when the couple, you know, they're looking for gas and they see a house and he's like, a generator, a generator equals gas. And then you hear the generator. Um, Obviously you hear it when they're standing right in front of it, but you hear it for a while. And, um, And so in the background, you have this like super normal sound of a generator and um, that's, you know, powering all of the things it needs to power in this creepy house. And, um, and, and it, it almost makes it seem like, I don't know, like, oh, I'm safe because I hear the sound of a generator. And mm-hmm. then you're not safe, you know, and, and right. then you, you die and, and, <laughs> and, and all of that. But, you know, it just it, – there's something comforting about that and yet so scary. Um, I had a reaction like that to the generator. So. No, I mean, I can dig that. Like you see that I, I get where you're coming from saying the generator seems like it's like a normal thing, right? Yeah. Like you would expect that and you think, Oh, there's people that live here and they're like me, but it's really also kind of juxtaposed with a lot of weird shit. <laughs> right, right. Like he opens up or he, he like, he's like, come look at this. And there's just like all these cars. Right. Under a tarp or some netting or something to hide them. And you're like, that's a lot of cars. <laughs> <laughs> Why are yeah. there that many fucking cars? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I totally dig what you're saying. And uh, I, David, I think it was you that brought this up. Sean, I may have been you. If it was, I apologize. But the power of suggestion is super strong in this film. We've talked about this before, probably most notably in the Psycho episode. But like, what you don't see is the scary part. Right. Right. Because your imagination is like, oh my God, he's getting cut open with a chainsaw. But you don't see, it's not like a lot of other films where they like i said the cruelty is the point they revel in the gore mm-hmm. and it's even worse in that way because you you know you see a movie like um um some of the some of the dead series from romero like it's it's gross there's pig guts or whatever kind of intestines but like you see it and it kind of is just like oh that's not as bad as i might have imagined it in right. this you're like holy shit i'm imagining this it's fucking awful yeah. right yes yeah yeah um on the topic of other things uh, or things other than leatherface that are uh, horrifying about this movie is you know there's that old recurring movie trope uh within horror of like the false hope kind of like in the third act where the you know the final girl or you know the the last person standing thinks they have found like a you know uh, their way out of the mess uh, out of the shit uh, and turns out that that person's not going to help them they're the opposite of what they're looking for you know this is something that we've seen in like countless fucking movies over the decades uh but this movie like did it so early on and so effectively you know when she goes to uh was it back to that gas station um and she you know runs into that you know per- guy who ends up being part of the the family mm-hmm. and she thinks that you know she's found hope she's like oh my god uh you know of course she's mainly going out of her mind because she was chased around by a psychopath with a fucking chainsaw but um you know he uh, he did like an uncomfortably good job, like consoling her at first, making her feel like, you know, everything was going to be okay. And it 
when in fact like it really wasn't going to be okay well yeah i mean he brings her a blanket he he he's like i'm gonna go get the car even though we don't have a phone so i can't call the police but i'll get my car and he does like he actually brings the truck and you're like damn this guy is gonna save her like good for him now Mm. obviously we know better um but there there is that moment of um Oh, I'm safe. And and you kind of believe that maybe she is, which right. we should know better. And mm-hmm. and and then, you know, she's not. So but I, I agree with that. I think a lot of movies do that where you think you've made it out of the woods and then like something else happens, or you think you're being rescued and it's another villain and or, you know, whatever, a cliff or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean I I but that was a really scary moment in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like that, that turn where, when you finally figure out that he is not on the side that she was hoping for. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's worse now. <laughs> it, it is in fact much worse. Because uh, now I'm being beaten with a broom on top of everything else that's happened. I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh like, I mean, out of all things, like she's beating her with like, the the bushy end of a broom and i'm like why like that's such an odd yet specific choice um (laughs) but the film does a good job of that because um one of the points i wanted to make and i touched on earlier is it celebrates the mundane like this film makes um you know everything seem terrible and horrific including a broom because like not only am I going to get jabbed by this broom but then I'm going to get beat until I can't even get up and he can tie my hands together um and there's there's so many scenes like that that um that just make normal life and normal things in our lives seem really scary and terrifying and deadly Really. Right, like a chair made out of bones and skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Sean, I think you bring up a really interesting point about the mundane as something to be afraid of in a way in this film. I mean, even when they go and visit the cemetery to check on their grandfather's grave, like everybody is weird there. Yes. <laughs> like the one guy, they're talking to the old guy and he's like, oh, well, that's the sheriff. And he's kind of off in some way that you can't really quite put your finger on, but you just feel it like instinctively yeah yeah and then the random texan just comes over he's like i'm gonna borrow your young lady here for a minute and just drags her off and i'm just like that's a really like that's not a normal thing so, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think... know if that was the 70s or not just like texas you know charm I, so to it's speak. i think it's both so like i mean the, i ted I'm, I'm glad you brought that back because i was just about to like reiterate what you said earlier about it just being like a product of the 70s i think it also had to do with the the fact that it's probably a well we know it's like a small town in texas you know it's not huge so like these people don't talk with like a lot of other people um you know, they, they occasionally get like, you know, someone passing through, but it's not someone that somewhere that you go and like stay or vacation at. So they all talk the same, you know, weird accents and weird phrases and stuff to, to each other on a daily basis for their entire lives. Um, so yeah, like, I, I guess that's where like colloquialisms, you know, come into play and, um, but yeah, it's, I think that adds to the oddness and kind of like what you were saying, just makes it feel off. 
Well, right. and it's a real phenomenon. Like that, I mean, I I have driven through Texas. Now, not to bash Texas because I like Texas. I have friends right. that live there. Okay. Now, but I have driven through a couple of places and in Texas that we Travis and I were like, oh man, we there's we we got to try to make it to the next gas station. Like there is no yeah. way we're stopping here. Um, so there were some of the small towns that just don't get a lot of outsiders. There is an environment that's somewhat similar and it's why it makes the film so believable because you've just got all these people that maybe a lot of them are related, maybe they're not, but they're definitely, they all grew up together. They have this common oddness or weirdness or whatever you want to call it. And it's a real thing. So... Yeah, and I mean, you even notice it when they're at the gas station, when he's asking him about an old house, and he's like, no, I don't know anything about that. And he says, oh, well, that's my grandfather's place. Right. And then he's like, oh, you know, kind of like, oh, you're you're one of us in a way. Right, right. Like, you're, you're it's okay to talk to you. You're, you can, you know, we're all insular, but you can be part of that. Right. Um, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, the this movie really says a lot without having to actually say a lot. Um, One thing I thought watching it um the other day is and maybe maybe this is maybe i'm just kind of fucking weird but I thought it was <laughs> well i mean yes <laughs> yeah kind of funny yeah like i mean not, obviously it's not like an out and out comedy but i thought there were some like legitimately like laugh out loud moments honestly and i think there's definitely some black humor involved intentionally but i, I there's some legitimate like comedic bits yeah in my opinion yeah, there there's a a few lines in the in the van both before they uh they pick up the hitchhiker and then during, you know, that whole scene where they're in there with him um that that are pretty funny. Uh one part that I I don't think you're really supposed to laugh at, but you know the the big truck comes by and the dude in the wheelchair is like taking a whiz. And I guess because of the sheer wind force coming <laughs> oh, off of the yeah. truck, like he falls out of his chair and tumbles down the hill. Like, like I, I, I'm going to be that guy say it's okay that I laugh at that part. Cause I have a brother in a wheelchair <laughs> <laughs> and I'll use that excuse again. Um, like I did for, you know, when we talked about, um friday the 13th when the the uh i guess the ex-quarterback in the wheelchair yeah. gets a machete to the head and in the he goes down the stairs yeah, yeah backwards down the stairs there's just something about it that like cracks me up i i guess because it's like it didn't actually happen like i'm not gonna laugh at a person like an actual real life person in a wheelchair fall out of their chair i'm not gonna laugh at that but like in a movie setting where i don't know it, it, it's part of what's going on screen. It's one of those weird things where you're like, I guess it's okay to laugh. Well, and I think it lightens up the mood a little bit and it relaxes the, the viewer, the watcher who, and, and almost to a point where we're like, okay, this is, I I'm okay with this situation because it's kind of funny and yada, yada. And then something terrible happens and you know, you can be caught off guard again, but I think it's, I think that the humor is definitely there. And I think it's intentional to um, probably for a lot of reasons, but partly at least to relax us enough to prepare us for something else, because if it's all tension and seriousness, it's not going to have the same effect. 
Yeah, there are some really great like one-liners in this, in my opinion. Um, when they're in the van talking about the head cheese, and one of the women is like, "Oh, gross! I, I don't want to hear about that." And they're like, "Well, you might like it if you didn't know what was in it." Yeah, <laughs> that, that line it just hit right. I don't know. That fucking cracked me up. Um, when they're talking about the house, and he says, "This looks like the birthplace of Bella Lugosi." <laughs> <laughs> That one got a good <laughs> chuckle. Uh, and then when he's talking to Franklin uh, about the guy, Franklin's nervous saying, you don't know, you don't think he could follow us. And the other guy's like, oh no, I told him where you live. I gave him your address. Hell, I gave him your zip code. He's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I was right. just like, that is such a, um, like that is how male friends talk to one another. I was like, that is a right. perfect, like, <laughs> joke among guy friends and right to, yeah you know, women don't have similar senses of humor but like that is a 100 how i talk to my guy friends yeah like there's uh, whatever the opposite of sarcasm is it doesn't exist in dudes interchanging like you know everything is caked on some yeah. level of sarcasm it's just you know <laughs> part of our you know la- language you know with <laughs> It'd, it'd be like that as they yeah say. right uh, i mean yeah. that legit is something that like i feel like i would say or maybe ted would say to me and be like oh no i keep that guy your fucking address you're dead buddy yeah like like, like i don't i don't know how else to explain it like that is literally <laughs> something i would say to one of my buddies right yeah and it makes it makes it relatable Right. I mean, you hear that and you're like, oh, I would totally say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that goes back into, you know, like, like making good characters and, and believable characters because right. they're working on a budget with a bunch of no name actors. Like you have to get in where you can. Yeah. Um, Shauna, I think this was you that brought this up earlier to kind of shift gears again. Um, there's a lot of really great arty shots in this film. Yes. <laughs> right. Correct. That's it. That's all we're going to say about it. That's, <laughs> That's it, folks. Deba, deba, deba. But, uh, I mean. Look, yeah, they, we can, you know, and this goes back to um, the hillbilly horror genre, um, officially or non-officially, unofficially. But it's, it's, you know, we think like, oh, they're just these dumb, inbred, you know, whatever, um, cannibals. And there's, there's such an artistic point of view to all of it. And I think um, it, it, I mean, there's not only are there great shots, art shots um, with the camera, right. But then in the house and, and the way that they have it all set up. And I think, um, were you talking about camera angle shots? Cause there's a lot of that too. Yeah. I was, I was mostly talking about like cinematography and lighting, but, uh, but I mean, Hey, you're running with it. Run with it. <laughs> well, I, I just think it it ta- it it elevates the film a little bit um, to have that artistic element, so that it's not just a film about a bunch of hicks who do all these terrible things to people just because they're stupid and don't know anything else to do, don't have anything else to do. So, but I think the cinematography was pretty phenomenal as well, um, and. I I know that there were some shots that I think I read somewhere that they were going to cut out or that were cut out. Um, Like for instance, there's a shot of um, not Sally, but the other girl who dies first. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah. Doesn't that matter. girl. She's, she, she, <laughs> she's walking up to the house and you see her backside and it's just a cool shot and it's from the ground. Up. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually. Swing. Yeah. Yes. I remember that shot. Yeah. yeah. That shot fucking rules. Yeah. I mean, and it's amazing. And it it's actually like a really cool shot. And I thought I read somewhere where somebody didn't want to put that in. Like, I don't know if it was the studio that didn't want it in or I, I, I think the director, I think he, I think he might've insisted that it was there, but there were some very stylized shots that um, I thought were pretty amazing and impactful. And I think they almost didn't make it in the film. So yeah, yeah, I I think that was a big point of contention with this movie, right? Is that it went over the top with so many different aspects of of what it was doing or trying to do that like it didn't even get released in several countries because of the the very nature of it. Um and yeah, I know he fought tooth and nail with like the ratings people right, and all right. that that like said this is like beyond r or nc17 or whatever like we this can't even be a thing yeah they they wanted to rate it x which is doubly amusing because one of the reasons he didn't have a lot of gore in the film is because he was like i think we can get a pg rating because an r rating is like a a death knell basically like it's very hard to make money as an r as an r-rated film because it cuts out so much of your potential audience right yeah that's why so many so so many films barely you can buy with a pg-13 is because like, you can get the teenage crowd and you get kids in but it's like dude you're making a movie about people who cut up people with chainsaws and eat them like they, you're fucked there's no way this is not an r-rated <laughs> film right yeah it's just uh i don't know this this movie has a lot of cool history uh, to it you know from the cinematography aspect to you know the the, the whole setup and the longevity of the the you know, shooting dates and how it really wasn't that long of a time period. Um, I don't know. This, this movie just has a lot going for it. Um, Yeah. It it also has one of my favorite sequences in any horror film uh, at the end where I call it the chainsaw dance. Um, It's not really (laughs) really a dance necessarily, but it's just like, it does kind of look like a waltz almost. Oh, a hundred percent or a ballet. Kind of like weirdly in time, right? And yeah. It's just like Leatherface venting his frustrations because he can't do it verbally really other than just like shouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, it's shot so beautifully with the light and the sunspots. It's just like, man, if this were not about a, a masked killer with a chainsaw, this would be <laughs> like lovely, right? Like right, and there's just enough of that throughout the whole film where the cinematography just hits a little different. You're like, man, this is like it's not like your typical low budget horror movie where it's like a bunch of people got together and like we really like horror, let's do that. It's like Toby Hooper, like there's something here, you know what I mean? Like there's a little bit of talent here, or maybe a lot of talent, you know, not to be dismissive, but there's some level of talent here beyond just like point camera, you're dead. Point camera, you're dead. You know, right. It's very stylized, and I I think probably went underappreciated. Um, oh yeah, by much 100%. of its audience, because most people are going to watch the film and they're going to just focus on the scare factor and the scare tactics, and they're not going to look at it necessarily the way that he probably meant it to be watched. So, but I, I agree with you. I mean, you almost kind of want like that person that took Sally away to just like turn around and bring her back. Just so, (laughs) 
you know, because his like dancing partner is gone. I mean, it's very it's it's tragic at the end. Yeah, uh, it, it does have that like very contradicting feel to it where like, you know, the final girl got away. Yes. Uh, and of course, she's, you know, will be traumatized for life. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, at the same time, uh, there's, you know, it's you don't just get a, a point of view shot from her in the back of the truck, like as she's driving further and further away from Leatherface and he's just like standing there and you're like, oh, like, you know, you, her and you as an audience can like collectively take a deep breath and be like, OK, it's the end of the movie. This is, you know, prototypical. It's what I'm used to. This is my comfort place. You know, everything comes back to normal at the end. But like you just see him like doing this weird ass dance, swinging this fucking chainsaw like it's, you know, a, you know, a hot dog. Um, <laughs> and, and you're just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I mean, that's his art, though. Like, that's his thing, right? Like, that's how right. he expresses himself. And um I'm sure he saw it as like extreme failure. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you don't let him get away. I mean, you don't, that's not what you do when you're Leatherface. Like you can't just right. let people escape. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Letter, Leatherface doesn't Letterface the music. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Uh, I have not heard anything from Ted, which means that he uh, decided to cancel himself from the podcast. <laughs> yes. Wise decision. Um, no, I mean, I, I kind of hit all the points I wanted to hit. Um, I have a couple of closing thoughts, but in terms of like things to discuss about the film, I, I've kind of said my piece. I don't know if you all have anything else you want to go over that. No, for um, sure. We can hit or. or I'm know, good. Shauna, I I I feel like I've gotten a lot in. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We always feel like like I mean Ted and I we're used to like the two of us like battling it out. But you know when we have some like a you know a guest or in this case you know a a nerd on retainer, um, we be like oh yeah, there's someone else here. Like we should probably shut the fuck up. But <laughs> I'm I'm always worried we're gonna get canceled on the Twitter. Um, right like they didn't let the woman talk the same right <laughs> like first of all you do a dc episode talking about all the the upcoming dc stuff and you don't and forget fucking, about wonder woman completely you don't talk about fucking wonder woman you dipshits yeah like yeah i i told ted about that the next day i was like we forgot to talk yeah. about wonder woman and it was in our notes here in life is being canceled for for some innocuous thing that we did because we're morons. <laughs> that no would, way intentional. Just. Right. Yeah, that that would be very on par with our brand, though. And, yeah. and me and just my life in general is getting fucked over by my own ignorance. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. My greatest fear in life is the Dutch, but that's not true. Right I thought you were about to say the Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. man yeah. well those two yeah yeah i mean yeah those ducks can be pretty scary man yeah. all right uh so uh final thoughts shauna go you have to see it if you haven't seen it um i mean if if you made it this far into the podcast and you haven't seen it like basically just die just... <laughs> 
yeah, <laughs> dramatic, but <laughs> um, don't. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, and you have to, you know, watch it with our through our eyes. Um, of what course. did I just say about getting canceled for something <laughs> innocuous? <laughs> No, I, you know, this is so fun. I, I just have to say, I'm so glad we're talking about this movie um, because I feel like a lot of the movies from the 70s and especially the 80s are discredited for mm-hmm. being out of touch with an unrelatable. And that's just not the case. And so um, I can totally relate to the characters in this film. And um, right. I, I, I thought it was it's a good one so yeah i think that's um i think you touched on something really interesting there because it seems like lately in the last handful of years we've had a resurgence of like quote-unquote intelligent horror right um and you know i don't want to single any of these movies or directors out because i enjoy a lot of them but like stuff like hereditary and the witch and midsommar they're getting bandied about as like horror for intelligent people and, you know, I consider myself pretty intelligent, but I would rather watch like some schlocky movie like from Herschel Gordon Lewis a lot of the time, <laughs> like Blood Feast. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's like there's no plot, nobody can act, but wow, look at all that cool shit, you know? Um, and and I, I think that a lot of these movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, maybe not that, maybe not it specifically, but a lot of movies from the 70s and 80s, like you said, kind of or look down on it. And I think in a lot of ways, horror has not ever gotten a lot of respect as a, you know, a, I don't think it's ever really been treated like a respectable genre. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think you, I think you touched on something really, really true there. Like I said, I, it, it took me another go around with this movie to both appreciate it and personally enjoy it. Um, and, and kind of what you were saying about horror being underappreciated i it it made me really like that was the first like you verbalized that feeling or, or thought that i had in my head but i i couldn't verbalize myself and i was like that's that's really the case because like in one genre the horror genre you have movies like herschel gordon lewis's films or uh you know Ari Aster's films like they look pretty different but they all fall under the same genre and to be able to have that kind of range and reach within like your medium and still be classified as horror is pretty damn incredible to me um and I I think this movie is just another installment in one of those amazing underappreciated subgenres so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Right on. All right, so that was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not literally, one hopes, but the movie at least. <laughs> that was our thoughts on the film. Yes, our thoughts on the film. We're not psycho murderers. Uh, yes, we don't. We don't want to make people uh, lampshades. Once again, I do not want to be canceled for something that is not true. Uh, right. There are plenty of things to cancel me about that I've actually uh, that I'm actually guilty of. So yes. uh, this is not one of them. Uh, as we always do around this time, it is time for our recommendations called shit that, do, shit that does not suck. Or I guess since it's plural, shit that do not suck, shits that do not suck. None of this matters. <laughs> Shauna, have you seen or watched or read or partaken in anything recently that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Yes. And this recommendation actually originally comes from Dave. Um, and it's Ooh. Marianne. Oh, okay. The, um, 
the Netflix. Well, it was on Netflix. I'm not so sure it is right now, but it yeah, it is a Netflix it's, series. Yeah, it's still in my queue. So pretty amazing, actually. Um, and it's about a writer, and she kind of goes back to her hometown, and a lot of stuff happens, and um, it was fantastic. So I recommend it if you, especially if you're a writer. And especially if you like good, a good series, I went, I got through it very quickly um, yeah, because it was so addicting <laughs> um, and I, I enjoyed each episode. So uh, highly recommend. And thank you, Dave, for telling me about it. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was kind of pissed that you like surpassed me. Usually <laughs> like it takes you forever to get around to watching something that, um, that I've recommended. I mean, you know, I totally understand because you and I, we both have lives and families. Um, <laughs> and so sometimes it takes a while to get to something, but like when you texted me back like two days later and you're like, I finished it. And I was like, I'm on episode three. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's still where I'm at right now. It's like maybe three or four and it's hit kind of a lull. Um, I, I feel like it started out really strong and pretty scary and and then like nothing's really happening now so I'm, I'm not sure if it like ramps back up again it does uh, okay um yeah it does I, I sometimes I get lost in a series like oh this is silly or stupid you know by mm. episode whatever um but I, I mean I just watched it all the way through because I just felt like it was that good um okay. but it, it does go up and down so cool. there will be yeah. there will be an up cool Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so for my shit that doesn't suck, I am going to recommend The Haunting at Bly Manor. So, of course, this is one of the most anticipated Netflix uh, series. Um, not really a season two. It's more of a part two or, or second outing of a anthology series. Um, and of course, it's original and predecessor was the haunting of hill house oh yeah i didn't realize um, that mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's by the same uh writer uh and writing team as the haunting of hill house uh it's uh mike flanagan he also um shawnee you've seen gerald's game right the yes movie? Uh-huh. okay he directed gerald's game okay so um they they definitely have like a that dreamy kind of like hazy feel to it. Right. Right. Um, It's, it's that kind of horror, but uh, I mean, haunting of Hill house came incredibly recommended by so many different people that enjoy different sub genres of horror. Um, And what I'm hearing on social media, like right now or talking to friends, it's a little bit more polarizing um, this, uh, this second part than the haunting of hill house um blind manor yeah it's i mean and, and i of course i'm not going to spoil anything and i don't want to give too much away but uh yeah it, it does seem like i mean overwhelmingly the the reviews and reactions have been positive including mine myself which is of course that makes sense i'm recommending it but it definitely seems a little bit more polarizing than the first season which was pretty unanimously decided that it was good um, but yeah i really enjoyed it um hit a lot of emotional notes uh where i uh 
I'll be honest, I was a little bitch and I cried my fucking eyes out. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty up there in terms of like emotional horror like that that really gets a, that reaction out of you. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Cool. All right, right on. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My uh, my shit that doesn't suck this week is the 2018 reboot sequel of Halloween. Ooh, yeah, you finally I, watched uh, it. Yeah, I um, I did. I got around to it. I don't think it's nearly as good as the original, but what is? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is definitely worth a watch, though. Um, no spoilers. I think it's it's a pretty good update. It's got some parts of it I didn't like, but overall, I found myself enjoying it. So, um, kind of a half-hearted shit that doesn't suck, I guess. But it tis a season, and Michael Myers fucking rules. He should have won the poll. That's that's my that's my hot take. Uh, that's yeah, good. he definitely should have won the poll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. That, like I said, that one it, it was of course a close race and deservedly so like they're both beloved horror horror villains so it it for sure shouldn't have been a landslide um and i think at the end of the day like i i think i just closed my eyes and pointed my mouse clicker um and clicked on one of them and then opened my eyes and i was like all right well i guess i voted for jason so (laughs) um Well, uh, Shauna, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you. It was a Thanks. pleasure as always. Absolutely. Yeah, some much needed intelligence. <laughs> uh, to yeah. So we are appreciative of that. Thank you. Um, all right. So a few ways that you can support the podcast. Social media. We're on all of them. Yes. We hate them. <laughs> But they are uh, they are helpful for us. Uh, we do, in fact, enjoy, uh, enjoy actually the Facebook group, Geek Garage Podcast Fans and Listeners, that has all the polls that we were talking about earlier. That is the best way to stay up to date with the podcast and interact with us. Um, like I said, we do a lot of polls on there. David is pretty active on there. I don't participate. So like I said, that is the Facebook group, group excuse me, Geek Garage Podcast Fans and Listeners. Uh, follow the link in our podcast description if you'd like to join that group or see us on any of the other social media platforms like uh, Twitter or Instagram. You can support the show in various ways other than social media. Uh, Some of those are easier and cheaper than others. You can subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. We are on uh, like 400 different fucking sites. I don't know what all of them are. You can figure it out. Go to your third one. We're probably there. Uh, that's that is if you have not subscribed already, but all of you have because for some reason you like us. Uh, <laughs> you can leave us a rating on review on Apple Podcasts or one of the few other sites uh, or streaming services that allow that. If you would like to support the show that way, uh, we do not accept anything but one star or five star reviews. None of yes. this middle of the road bullshit. It's love right. or hate only. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, if you want to write us a shitty review too, be like these guys fucking suck. Be like fair. Yes. understandable good, okay right be creative Don't just be one star lo- losers or lame like be creative we, we yeah we appreciate creative insults here at the geek garage uh if you would like to support the show in ways that do cost you money we have a patreon 
Yes. I don't two know why, doll, but it's there. Two uh, doll Harris and five doll Harris. Yes. Uh, very cheap or relatively cheap, I suppose. You could get a cup of coffee or Coke or donate to our podcast. I know which one I would do. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not telling you. <laughs> but donors do get neat perks like cool button and sticker sets. Their name on our wall of shame. No, I'm sorry. That says wall of donors. I misread that. Yeah. Uh, that is on go. the eGarage site and weekly updates. So you do get some cool perks as well as, you know, you can tell people that you support us and actually don't 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 tell people you do that uh, no please please do like spread uh, the word that that's how people find out about podcasts is other mm, people talking mm, about them agree to disagree uh but you can follow the link in our podcast description if you're interested in becoming a supporter that way uh i think that's all we have david hit him with the line uh be kind stay geeky and eat lots of cheesecake and thank you again shauna thank you notice he said cheesecake listeners and not people you caught up with a chainsaw <laughs> yes that's a very yes. important i cannot thing. stress that enough yes we do not support chainsaw murder no not that one at least chainsaw massacre however we can talk yeah. have a great week everybody All right. bye